Florida. Hello, this is Heather Jebo, one of the deacons from the Virgin's Congregational Church. This podcast includes portions of our service from July 3rd, 2022, with our guest pastor, Steve Jewett. The scripture lesson for later in the service comes from Mark chapter 12, verses 13 through 17. Good morning. morning. Oh, you are the saints. This is a gorgeous morning, isn't it? And here we are. I'm Steve Jewett. I'm from the other town in Addison County. And uh, I'm just delighted uh, to be here today. I only preach for friends in a pinch. Um, And anyway, uh, Elliot, I consider a good friend. And so... I'm happy to be here today. Friends, let us uh, participate together in the call to worship. May God be gracious to us and bless us. That God's ways may be known everywhere. Let all the peoples praise God. Let all nations be glad and sing for joy. Let the peoples praise you, truest sovereign. Please join me in the gathering prayer today, which is number 723. Almighty God, you have given us this good land as our heritage. Make us always remember your generosity and constantly do your will. Bless our land with honest industry, truthful education and an honorable way of life. Save us from violence, discord, and confusion, from pride and arrogance, and from every evil course of action. Make us who come from many nations with many different languages a united people. Defend our liberties and give those whom we have entrusted with the authority of government, 
the spirit of wisdom, that there might be justice and peace in our land. When times are prosperous, let our hearts be thankful. And in troubled times, do not let our trust in you fail. We ask all this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. message for all ages. Well, we're all the children of God this morning. I'd like to tell you a story this morning about my old friends Ike and Mike who were twin boys who, were, who grew up in Reston, Virginia with their mom. But they loved to go to Siler's Corners, West Virginia, where mom grew up, and be with grandma and grandpa and Uncle Billy and all the rest on the holidays and during the weeks of summer when they could get away. So, so it was the 4th of July weekend, and sure enough, they were back in Siler's Corners, and Ike and Mike had decided to go fishing. And as they were, going, as they were walking back from, from the riverbank, pretty much like Otter Creek here, they were talking about who in town loved America most. And they went by this guy that had this, this house that had this great big flag. And they say, boy, those, those people love America a lot. And then they saw a house with a bigger flag, like one of those flags that you might see at an auto dealership. And he looked, oh boy, they must really love America. And then they, he, they went by another house that had a red, white, and blue bunting and flags just all over the yard. You could hardly even see the green anymore. And wow, they, that, these, these people must really love America. Well, they decided they were going to stop by the hardware store on the way back and, and see if there, uh, there, there's a little candy place at the, by, the, by the counter there for, you know, your impulse buying and things. And so they, they, they went in and, and there was Uncle Billy. And they say, well, how are you doing, Uncle Billy? And he said, just fine. And they said, we're just going to get a little thing here. Maybe we can walk home together. We said, and Uncle Billy, he said, well, yeah, that'd be wonderful. And so they were, they were walking up back to the house and they said, doesn't, doesn't Mr. Wilson back there put on the fireworks display that we have uh, uh, here in Siler's Corners? And Uncle Billy said, well, yes, he does. And he said, wow, he must really love America because of the fireworks display he puts on for everybody. 
And Uncle Billy said, well, I, I reckon he does. And so they were walking along, and then Ike looks up at Uncle Billy and says, Uncle Billy, who do you think in Siler's Corner loves America most? Uncle Billy stopped. Ike and Mike stopped. Siler's Corner is really small, so they could stop right in the middle of the road. It didn't bother anything. And he says, I reckon, I reckon I don't know. How do you know a person's heart? How do you know? How do you know who loves more than somebody else? Is love something that you can, you know, pour into a beaker and measure? Is that? I, I don't rightly know, but I think of people uh, who, who love and love our country. You know, and I have to think of old Zeke. You mean that old scraggly guy that, that goes around town stuffing trash in a bag? Absolutely. Why do you think Siler's Corner looks so good? And do you know that on the monuments in town that he polishes those before every holiday? Before you come for, for Memorial Day weekend, he's, uh, he's polished that thing up, that, the, the memorials, so that they look so good. Oh, okay, well, that's, that's, I guess he loves America, too. Yes, he does. Well, and then what about Mrs. Kimball? Mrs. Kimball, well, you know, Ike says, I, I don't reckon that she, she loves America very much because, after all, she's, the little flag that she's got in her window is the only thing she's got. And on top of that, it doesn't even have the colors right. It's not red, white, and blue. It's got, it, it's, it's got a, a red outline, and a, it's white in the middle, and, it's, and, it, and it's, it's, got, it's got a star, but it ain't blue. It's gold. Now, what, what, kind, of a, what, what kind of a patriot, what kind of, a, of an American, uh, somebody who loves America would, have a, would get the colors of the flag wrong? And Uncle Billy said, well... I have to tell you a story. That that gold star used to be blue. Because she sent her boy to help defend our country. And there's a custom that if that boy doesn't come home because he's been killed in action, that star goes from blue to gold. And she puts that flag out the day before Memorial Day, just before you guys come, and she takes it down the day after the 4th of July. So it's there for, for Memorial Day weekend, it's there for, for Flag Day, and it's there for the 4th of July. And then it goes back. Uncle Billy stopped and thought, and he said, you know, I don't rightly know that you can measure love. sent to him some Pharisees and some Herodians to trap him in what he said. 
And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with truth. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, why are you putting me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me see it. And then they brought one. Then he said to them, whose image is this and whose title? They answered, the emperor's. Jesus said to them, give to the emperor or the things that are the emperor's and to God the things that are God's. And they were utterly amazed at him. Please pray with me. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you. Oh God, our Redeemer and Rock. Amen. I don't see a clock anywhere, so I'm taking my watch off so that I don't keep you too long today. Which reminds me of uh, these two boys, almost from an Anglican background, another one was a Baptist, and they decided to go to each other's churches. And so for the Baptist boy going to an Episcopalian service, uh, he could hardly understand what was going on, so he was always going, what's that mean, what's that mean, what's that mean? And so the boy was explaining everything to him, and then they went to the Baptist church. And the boy, the, now the Anglican boy, was the one who was wondering what was going on, and the, and the preacher did take his watch off and put it on the pulpit, and so he said, what's that mean, what's that mean? And the boy said, the Baptist boy said, that doesn't mean anything. May it not be so today. <laughs> 246 years ago, the delegates of the Continental Congress stuck a dagger into the concept of the divine right of kings. And we've been trying to figure out what is supposed to replace that ever since. The whole idea of a divine right of a king was basically a, an unholy canard, which meant that the, the person in power, or the people with power, cloaked themselves in the divine, and Caesar or the emperor of Rome went so far as to declare himself to be a god. And so this tension has been happening ever since. July 4th, 1776, was a blow against such notions. Not a fatal blow, as we are discovering even to this day, but a blow. And we've been trying to figure it out ever since. 14 years, not 14, uh, 11 years after the events of July 4th, the delegates were back in Philadelphia trying to figure out how 
how this country could continue. And they came up with the Constitution of the United States. They all gathered into this hall and they kept the windows shut, if you can imagine that, on days that were hotter than this one by a long shot. And when they were done, old Benjamin Franklin, who was in his 80s, came out and somebody asked him, Dr. Franklin, what do we have? And Dr. Franklin said, a republic if you can keep it. And that has been the test ever since, Civil War, ever since. What does it mean for the people to reign? And what's that combination between religion and political power? And so we come to our day. And this passage from the scriptures this morning, to me anyway, uh, suggests a powerful alternative to any notion of the divine right of any ruler or scheme of ruling. The Pharisees and the Herodians who were sent to Jesus were there to test him. Now, this is a bipartisan group, believe me, a bipartisan group of people who are there to bait and to trap Jesus. Because the Pharisees, as you probably well know, were people who were people of the brook, people who wanted to make sure that they were faithful to the Lord, and, they were, and, and so they set boundaries within the, the biblical boundaries to make sure that nobody stepped out of line. And they kept themselves apart from others. That's what the word Pharisee from the Hebrew farash means to be separated, to be separated off, to make sure that you, that you are holy and, and pleasing to God. Now the Herodians could not be different, couldn't be more different. Uh, they were uh, largely Jewish, also uh, those who uh, were, supported the, Herodian, the, the Herod's rule, who were basically accommodationists. They were the ones who would uh, say, well, what's, what's wrong? Let's just go along with, with being an occupied country. After all, the only thing that Caesar really cares about is getting his taxes, which was true. The Roman Empire grew uh, largely because it didn't uh, do much in the way of deep oppression unless you stop paying taxes, stop paying tribute to Rome, and then it was, uh, it, was a harsh, it was a harsh response. And so they come to him and they try to butter him up and he sees uh, uh, you know, through that. But the question they ask is one that's, that's going to put Jesus on a, on, a, on a razor's edge. Is it lawful, which is, the, which is a Pharisee type phrase, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or to the emperor or not? Should we pay them or shouldn't we? Well, if he answers you shouldn't pay taxes, then you've got the Herodians running off to whisper to Pontius Pilate, oh yes, who happens to be the Roman governor. Oh, did I mention that he's in town with a large army to keep the peace during the Passover? The Passover celebration? 
that they have a tax resistor here, you've got somebody who you need to suppress. But if he says, no, it's not, if he, you know, if he says it's not lawful, then you've got the Herodians mad at you. But the Pharisees would be very pleased to say for them, uh, no, I'm getting confused. The point is that these two groups, he answers one way, it's going to be the occupiers are going to be after him. He answers the other way, the, the people who are supported by the Pharisees, who the people are, are largely think the Pharisees are like the rock stars of the spiritual life, the, the mass of people are going to think that Jesus has sold them out. That's, that's what's at stake here. Is that clear? I think, I think it, it's pretty clear. So he asks them to bring a coin. And here's the rub. This is what really struck me about the passage when I was looking at it, preparing to be with you. Jesus asks them an, an important question. Whose image is this? And whose title? And of course, they say the emperor's. And Jesus says, give the emperor the things that are the emperor's and to God the things that are God's. What are the concerns of the emperor? What are the concerns? To be sustained, to be wealthy, to be prosperous in a material sense. What are the things that concern God? Everything. <laughs> Literally everything. So that, that the things that concern governments or, or emperors or any sort of a scheme is a, is, is a small thing compared to the, to the environment, to the planet, to the, to, the, to the rights of all people, to the rights of the poor, to the, to the fact that people have a right, should, should be able to be, to be sustained in, in life. The image on the coin belongs to an emperor. But I want you to think for a minute who they were talking to. They were talking to Jesus, who the Apostle Paul would write, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all have been created through him and for him. For he himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Whose image shall be followed? It's the question I believe that as Christians today, we are really confronted with. Whose image are we going to follow? Heaven knows there are plenty of people who take the mantle of faith, our faith, around them, who seem to be more interested in power politics than anything else. The emperor's image sees power 
as the ability to coerce, to force one's way. But the power of Jesus, the power of our Jesus, the one that we are challenged to follow, is the power that comes from, from inclusion, from embrace, from acceptance and love and care for literally everything and every one. Please remember that. Please remember that. Justice, in the emperor's way of thinking, is something that centers around punishment, vengeance against that which has offended the state. Justice, as Jesus meted justice out, think about this again, is based on restoration. Think of the woman caught in adultery from John chapter 8. His agenda is to restore her. Remember the story how everybody, all of the, all of the uh, holy people walked away from the oldest to the youngest. Nobody could pick up a stone to execute her. And Jesus looked her in the eye and said, who accuses you? And she says, no one, sir. Jesus says to her, neither do I. Go and sin no more. That is the justice of restoration. The justice of reconciliation that we see in the likes of of Desmond Tutu and other great heroes of our faith who do look at the government and act as cheerleaders or as truth tellers who urge us and our leaders to take a higher ground, to to be more concerned about restoration and coming into accord with with the divine order of this universe. I really believe that when it comes to loving America, and so, time, so many times, I don't know about you, but I am so embarrassed about what is going on. But nonetheless, I just, it, it makes me want to love this country more. Because, because loving God, I believe, makes us better patriots than those who say, put America first. Because if America strays, and heaven knows, our country is as capable of straying as any other country on this planet. Somebody has to have 
enough depth and courage to say something. And that's what this is all about, saying something. To me, it makes us true patriots. We have so many heroes of the faith. And I think about, I was thinking about this and I was beginning to despair a little bit because I think of like people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German who stood up against the Nazis. The Nazis were once again trying to wrap the clothing of, 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 of piety around them to say, God with us on every belt of every soldier sent out to suppress and to, and to carry out injustice in the world with belt buckles saying, God with us, God help us. Bonhoeffer had the courage to speak against that. You know the story probably, so I'm not gonna go into it much now. But I started to think of my, I started to think a little bit, well, where are those examples of such a thing today? And I began to despair until I remembered Cassidy Hutchinson. You know who Cassidy Hutchinson is, right? The woman who, 26 years old, (laughs) saw what was going on on January 6th. The um, assistant, the chief assistant to, to the um, chief of staff at the White House and said, this is wrong. This has to stop. Of course, it didn't. But she had the courage to speak so that all could know. I believe our country is in peril. It always has been. This this concept of government of the people, by the people, and for the people is always one breath away from perishing from the earth. But the breath of the Spirit of God, the breath of the Spirit of God through people who love their country and are willing to speak, who are willing to vote, who are willing to march and stand for what is right for all, it does make a difference. It's our hope our only hope, but it's a solid one. Amen.
Dear sisters and brothers, let's pray together. Oh, what a gorgeous morning you've given to us, Lord. Our God, we are grateful. Grateful for the breeze that cools us just a little bit in this sanctuary. For the prospect of being with our loved ones today. of taking moments to reflect on what's most important, for being able to freely gather and worship. Lord, give us wisdom and give us courage for the facing of the hours that we find ourselves in. Oh God, redeem us from those notions and passions that would just see the attempts to perfect what it means to be separated as church and state and yet be informing and faithful. Deliver us from seeing it as just so much junk because it is not so much junk. Help this country, O God, move us to advocate for this country to be once again a beacon of light and of healing, of the search for justice. of coming to grips with the the blending of liberty and law. Let these things, O God, be so. Move us by your Spirit. And as the skies are filled with plains, flying and those who are canceled and all of the aggravations of travel today, we do think of Lori. And we do pray that as she uh, begins that journey to Colorado, to be with her daughter and with her family there, uh, that you would give her a sense of peace and that you would open doors. And even if there's an aggravating delay or whatever, that the joy of this meeting together and these moments shared as a family would be sweet. We have so much to be grateful for, Lord. And so we give these, our concerns to you and our joys. In the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray saying, Our Creator, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom 
and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So go forth into the world to serve God with gladness. Be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the afflicted. Honor all people. Love and serve God. Rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.